So here's today's scripture reading. It comes from Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. In the name of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Messiah from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, please welcome our preacher, Reverend Dr. Pamela Lysi. Good morning. I first want to thank all the sound folk and audiovisual folk and uh, those who have ministered to us this morning through music and the liturgy itself. So grateful for uh, Pastor Chan Choi for blessing and uh, blessing us, leading us as our liturgists, and just for this day. Are you glad to be here today? You know, it's, it's thank you, thank you. It's a blessing to be with one another, uh, and the weather has been good for us this week. I'm glad. Um, you know, this is my second time with you all, and um, I'm, not a, I'm not a new person to the church or to Methodism, uh, but I'm still finding my way around Urban Village, still adjusting to uh, its liturgy, uh, learning its membership, and it's also very exciting for me. Uh, at a time in the history of Christianity, when things uh, for me seem to be uh, quite challenging. So I'm thankful to be with you again, and I'm looking forward to what we will discover uh, through the word that's preached this morning. Our sermon uh, title for this morning is Looking for God. Would you pray with me? God, on this day, I pray that your creation will be comforted. I pray for your continued presence among us. And may the words of your people uh, in their entirety minister to us here and to, this, to the global world in which we live. May my words and good intentions please thee. And God, may what is done at this point inspire good works and bring transformation. This I pray in thy holy name. Amen. You, looking for God. As I thought about uh, the sermon series for this month, I thought about human history. And since antiquity, human beings have tried to understand the world that we live in, and especially the world above the clouds. And they tried to understand the world above the clouds, believing that uh, the celestial world had some profound influence on our lives, which it really does in some ways. The priestly writers of the Bible, the sacred text, depicted uh, in the book of Genesis, they talked about Elohim, meaning God, as living in the heavens, this great firmament 
above the lights. Talked about God as living out in the stars, um, out in a place that's cast above a dome in the sky. Early astrologists used their naked eyes to, uh, and, and our eyes actually can only see a fraction of the world, can only see very minimum part of what is before us and even beyond us. But these astrologers used their naked eyes to determine weather conditions such as flooding uh, and the seasonal movements that impact agricultural uh, growth. And you can almost hear uh, as you look at the scripture, and you can almost hear as you look, especially in Psalm, you can almost hear uh, the significance of early astrology uh, as you re read the words of the psalmist uh, and what the psalmist has to say about God, particularly in Psalm 8. There you, you, you hear these words, or you read these words. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are humans that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? When I look at, the psalmist says, when I look at the heavens, when I look up above, basically, makes me think about God and wonder, who are we? that you even care about us. I'm intrigued also by a particular scientist this morning, and that scientist is Neil deGrasse Tyson. How many have ever seen Neil Tyson? I'm so fascinated by his work, and I'm fascinated by how he thinks about uh, the universe. And, and Dr. Tyson ha has said these words. Tyson argues and, and, and says that we, to quote him, are literally stardust. We are literally stardust, he contends. We are literally exploded stars. And, and he, he also says that not only do we live among the stars, the stars live within us. Can you imagine that? Can you get that? We not only live among the stars, but the stars live within us. So I could have easily entitled the sermon for this morning, A Star Looking at Stars. I could easily say within the sermon that when I look at you, I'm, I'm a big fan because I'm looking at a whole bunch of stars today. If you consider, you know, how, how would it shift the world if we all considered ourselves stars among stars? Dr. Tyson also says this, and this is so fascinating to me. The atoms of our bodies are traceable to stars that manufactured them, set them in their cores and exploded these enriched ingredients across our galaxy billions of years ago. For this reason, we are biologically connected to every other living thing in the world. We, let me repeat, we are biologically connected to every other living thing 
not just human being, but we are biologically connected to every other living thing in the world, Dr. Tyson says. He also says we are chemically connected to all molecules in the earth, and we are uh, uh, atomically connected to all atoms in the human, in the universe. We are not figuratively, but literally stardust. Hi, stars. How are you stars doing this morning? You amazing, amazing, brilliant stars in this universe. When I, you know, I think it's an amazing thing that most of humanity is so interested in the world beyond ourselves. You ever looked up at the stars? I mean, we have so much pollution these days that sometimes it's so hard to see the stars. But have you ever looked up among the stars? When I'm in worship, I, I, you know, I, I smile within as I watch people worshiping. Very often when people worship, they look up above as though God is somehow planted on the ceiling. But what we're really trying to do is look beyond and to see God beyond ourselves. We Christians believe in a God who is omnipresent, who is so omnipotent, so infinite, so big, that I can imagine that when this God of everywhere turns around, that this God bumps into God's own self. That's how big this God is. And yet, as big as this God is, as infinite as this God is, we are still very much seeking to find, seeking to connect with this God who resides, who lives beyond us, and yet is mysteriously within us. The psalmist declared, when I look at the heavens, we are really, you know, quite the stargazers looking for the God of hope beyond ourselves, looking for God beyond the written text, looking for God in the mystical and the mysterious phenomenon of our world, looking for God because God created us with this unquenchable curiosity about life, this unquenchable curiosity about death, this unquenchable curiosity about the unseeable world. And if God is God, and I believe that God is God, then God is not at all offended by our curiosity and our questions, you stars. But the problem is not every method of seeking, not every spiritual practice, not every quest to find God has been honored by other human beings. We have a whole we have a whole thing about difference, you know. We get a lot, we get really uptight about ambiguity. We get really uptight as human beings about difference. Humanity has been quick to rebuke, quick to chastise, and quick to even harm those whose ways of seeking God outside of what's considered acceptable practice. We really have a problem with others and with difference. 
Humanity gets nervous about differences, differences when it comes to our bodies, differences when it comes to our gender orientation, differences when it comes to our ethnicity, differences when it comes to our class, differences when it comes to our languages, and especially our spiritual differences. But you know what? I am so happy, I'm so very happy that God loves each of us and knows how very unique we are, we stars. And this God is quite all right with our difference and adores us, absolutely adores us, just as we are each unique an individual and different star among stars. Hallelujah. Where are you looking for God? You know, it's only been in recent centuries that the church has become so colonized that spiritual practices like stargazing, astrology, and zodiac studies have been labeled as, as sin at best and witchcraft at worst. But I hope that for just a few additional minutes, we can sit with the possibility that there are some ancient spiritual practices that may be just as right for us today as they were during the life and times of Jesus the Christ. Let me, let me make this first point by turning your attention to the gospel that has been read and you're hearing for today. Now, this is an important point about Matthew. Matthew is the only one of the four gospels where you will find the word church. For those of you that like trivial things, you know, trivial pursuits, you can search the other, four, other three gospels, you will not find the word church. You will only find the word church in the gospel according to, to Matthew. And the reason why I find this so interesting is because the writer or the writers understood themselves, understood their lives as centered around the origins of the church. That origin being the good news of Jesus the Christ. The passage that you heard this morning is written by someone who is deeply invested in telling the story of Jesus, but most importantly, of telling about the life of Jesus within a particular context. And for today, I think it's apropos that we hear the sound of a child. I think it's wonderful because it fits in with this looking for God and this God who came to us incarnate, who came to us in flesh, as a human being, as a baby. And this writer was interested in discovering and, and, and talking to us about the human phenomenon. And what better place, what better way to do that than with starting with the birth of Jesus the Christ. The writer is not interested, as you find in the Johannine text, in the Gospel according to John, of a king of a kind of otherworldly messiah. The, the, they, are, they are interested in telling the story of a different 
kind of Messiah. What you see right away in Matthew is that Jesus had people. This is not a standalone Messiah. This is not an untouchable Messiah. This is not a VIP-only section Messiah. No, the writer understood that God, that God incarnate came from a whole lineage of people. This one begot this one who begot this one. And this is important for our lives because it makes one thing very, very, very plain. And that is if you're looking for God, start with the people of God. If you're looking for God, start with the stars. Start with the people. Start with God's creation. Start with people committed to love. Start with the people committed to liberation. Start with the people committed to building the beloved kingdom. Start with the people who are living witnesses, who have a testimony to tell about God and the wonder-working powers of God. If you're looking for God, my friends, start right here where your feet are firmly planted. Aren't you glad that the story of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, starts with everyday people like you and I? Not otherworldly, not high class, not high church, but it starts with everyday people like you and I, working class people, impoverished people, young, old, travelers, and homesteaders. This story is for all people. And, 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 and that's really good news, friends, when folks would rather all not mean all. The story of Jesus begins with everyday, all kind of folks, y'all people. But having said that, I'm also reminded from this text that everybody talking about God ain't about that life, as the young folks say. In the days of Jesus' birth, the Jews of that day lived under Roman occupation, and Herod the Great, the monarch who the Romans appointed as ruler over the Jews, was himself a Jew. This was a man who was so treacherous, uh, a man who was so evil that he murdered his own wife and children and later massacred the children of Bethlehem. Ultimate power was Herod's God. And who would, who would look for God in such a monster as Herod? Look for God uh, uh, in some priestly order, but they followed. They saw a star. Who would look for God? Greedy leader as Herod. Who would look for God in such a narcissistic individual? Who would place their allegiance in such a despot? Be careful, my friends are the people in whom you look for God. They've got billboards of political leaders nowadays set up to establish them as divine people. 
They are not God. They are not God. And they are not a savior. God is not any politician. God is not any emperor or monarch. God is not any of the extremely powerful castes of our time. King Herod could never be our God. King Herod could never be our Messiah. For our God resides in the heavens and not in buildings of brick and mortar. Our God dwells among the stars and in the celestial world. And yet, 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 our God loves us so much that God doesn't just see us from above. God came in human form to walk with us, to teach us, and to encourage us. No, Herod could not be our God, no matter how much Herod wanted to, came, to claim a divine kingdom. And some people knew just that. Thank God that there were in Herod's time, even as there are today, people of wisdom, the Magi, who had been gazing the stars, looking for the Messiah. They were of a different path. They were of a different sort of people. They were different folk. They were strange folk to some. And I just love that these priests, outside of the Levitical order, are of a different faith traditions, are the ones who are highlighted in this story. So it's as though God is trying to tell us something in this text. It's okay. It's okay. These different folks saw the phenomenon in the sky. These different priests saw a star like no other star they had seen before. Others, no doubt others had seen the star and not paid as much attention to it. But these were specialists. They practiced an ancient spiritual art. They read the stars and saw among the stars a star so magnificent, a star so unique, a star so miraculous that they knew it must be the star of Jesus. I imagine that these magi from time to time came across people who frowned upon their work, disbelievers, folks who taunted and ridiculed you. Ridiculed. Perhaps some of you know what that's like to be different, to be rebuked, and to be scorned for your difference. When I was younger, my parents and elders practiced, practiced a kind of ancient African spirituality that I didn't quite get, and I actually mocked at the time. In my community were elders who practiced ancient healing rituals and used herbs, herbs and materials from the soil to bring protection, to comfort people who were weary or to speak. Especially um, not what they were doing with, um, with the, the, the materials from the soil. The ugly effects of slavocracy is that uh, its form of Christianity demonized these ancestral practices. And it took many years 
many years before I could decolonize my mind to see the value and brilliance of the elders. Today, the grocery store shelves are lined with bottles of, of herbs that I shied away from as a young adult. The practices make all kinds of sense to me now. And I behold the stars when they're visible with wonder and with adoration. I'm seeking to gain back what colonialism took from us through slavocracy. And I'm okay with looking for God in the most unusual ways. I'm okay with difference. I'm okay with operating outside of the status quo. I'm okay with this God who has passed my, my logic, passed my finding out, passed my discomfort with ambiguity. I'm just good with God, y'all. How about you? I'm just good with the unknowing. How about you? I'm just good with the questions of life. I'm just good with some things uninterrogated. Just good with the stars and those practices that seem so strange to others. And most of all, I'm just good with me. Are you good with you? Are you good with you? You stars, are you, are you okay with yourselves? And that's a critical question. Are you okay with yourself? Because the Magi had to be okay with themselves to keep doing what they were doing. And we will have to be okay with ourselves to keep doing what we are doing in the quest for liberation, in the quest for justice. How are you? And where are you looking for God? What spiritual practices help you in your journey? And are there spiritual practices that you need to revisit that other folks foo-fooed and you were made embarrassed by? Practices that were deemed taboo but have been tugging at your heart for you to reinvestigate. I promise you, God is okay with those questions. I promise you, you won't get, go to hell for trying to find God among the stars. May it be so, and amen. I leave you with these words of C.S. Lewis, the late Anglican theologian. We're made of stardust, and the fate of the planet is bound up in us because we are bound up in Christ. Amen.